produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers Three, Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? Not bad. I feel like there's a delay in the in the network. I well, I'm distracted by our first story. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, check out the website WeBeGeeks.net or WookieRadio.net. You can also check out WeBeGeeks.net as well if you want. Um, affiliates, uh, they're down the side. Check them out. Supporting them supports us. No additional cost to you. Uh, also, too, check out our partners, Found Me, and that's F O U N D M I dot com uh, for Bluetooth trackers and heroes and villains at heroesvillains dot com. Uh, use the code Smugglers at either one for fifteen percent off your first purchase uh, with Heroes and Villains. T-shirts are restocked. Three X coming soon. Uh, and then also to check out our web store, uh, get two different options for Wookiee Radio baseball jerseys. There's sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats available as well. Um, two different hockey jerseys, uh, traditional and the Wookiee, you know, the actual Wookiee shirt. Uh, baseball, it's a nice pinstripe and a and there's a Wookiee shirt there as well. Um, Mandalorian armor coming soon, which is going to be great because it's going to have our logo on the left chest. Smugglers Alliance logo on the left shoulder. I thought I'd play around and did the Wookiee Radio logo with Arabish text, and that's going on the right shoulder. So very cool. You will be able to change your Smugglers will be the the default name and sixteen default number, but you will have the option to customize it to however you want. So, um, yeah, miss anything? I know I did it quick. I don't think so. I think you got it all in there. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk about these pictures. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vanity Fair. And I was sorry for sending them to you. It was an accident. Didn't mean to hit send. Oh, different pictures? I'm sorry. I was going to say, you've got a problem if if it looks like BB-8 and BB-9E down below. Do you (laughs) think I wasn't supposed to put those back out onto the web? Oh, well, you know, I guess what's done. (laughs) What happens on the internet stays everywhere. Yeah. What happens in Vegas? Oh, (laughs) Check your work email. 
Uh, so Vanity Fair did what they typically do. Annie Leibovitz, uh, her her photographs of on the on the set behind the scenes, whatever you want to call it, have hit Vanity Fair once again. Yeah, she's been taking pictures of um for Star Wars for years. Yeah, I think she goes all the way back to the prequels. She was doing this for um covering it for Vanity Fair. I believe so. So and they always end up with these photos at the beginning. Yeah. Well, the first photo is uh, we see C three PO and BB eight, and it's great. The BB eight looks like it's one of the actual remote ones, not one of the uh, Dolly puppet ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, after seeing what they did in the celebration for BB-8 and for Dio, there's no reason to not have a remote one. Well, they apparently they did not have a remote one of Dio for the film. That didn't happen yeah. until celebration. Well, they've had BB-8. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine how hot Anthony Daniels must be in that CPO suit in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, but Jonas has to be even worse. Now, supposedly... Um, this desert they're in is the same desert that Lawrence Arabia rode through uh, with his famous campaigns. And they said yeah. it, it's, it's the perfect desert for an alien type look. Uh, but this first picture, you see three crew members. Uh, one's kind of buffing uh, the costume. Uh, I don't know what the one behind is doing. And then there's one holding an umbrella trying to keep them shaded from the sun, which apparently is coming from behind them. I can tell that yeah. by the shadows. Uh, picture two, J.J. Abrams. Awesome. <laughs> alongside stunt coordinator Eunice Huth- Heathrow directs the Knights of Ren, elite fearsome enforcers of Kylo Ren's dark will. So Best. we're getting yes. we're getting the Knights. And some of these costumes, some of these look great. And I'm noticing only one of these guys has a lightsaber. Yeah, what's interesting? I don't see any lightsabers. Where's the lightsaber? Is, is some of the, yeah, I don't see any lightsabers. I'm looking at the the guy that J.J. Abrams is looking at on the left-hand side. He's got that arm blaster, and it looks like there's a lightsaber hanging off his left leg. Maybe. I can't zoom in on it, so. I can't either. This was hard to tell. They have some interesting um, equipment they're carrying. Yeah. Yeah. What's cool is, look at these. They do look like these are the um, the characters we saw in the Force flashback vision that Rey gets in Force Awakens. Yep. So that was the Knights of Ren. Well, the one guy's got Thanos' sword. Well, yeah. (laughs) So Thanos is here? Why make a new one? (laughs) Also, hey, they're all in in costume. You never know. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about the Vanity Fair article when they find when they put that out for these is they always spoil all kinds of stuff in this article. Yeah. You get a bunch mm. of details you never had before. Now the one holding the the helicopter blade, he knows he's got the he's got the uh, the tabards like a Jedi. Whereas the other the other two that we see head on do not. Well, there. the one in the center, actually, you know what it reminds me of? The the one right in front of J.J., in front of his shoulder? That almost looks like if he was dressed in red, that would be a, a royal guard. Yeah. From behind. Yeah. This guy, it looks almost like a force pike. I mean, or it's more like a halberd, but it's a similar weapon. How, how appropriate is it's it? A- how appropriate is it to... It's a pi- she takes a picture with J.J. Abrams and manages to get Lynn Slayer in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So I wonder, are these guys going to be, because um, remember in The Last Jedi, they may basically inferred that the Knights of Ren may have actually been the uh, some of the other students from the Jedi Academy. Right. The Jedi right. Temple. So I'm wondering, is that, are they going to confirm that? In right. Like well, they were mm-hmm. actually his friends that decided to leave with them. I'm going to pose this question too with, with this, along with another picture that's coming up. Uh, I don't know how shortly, but another picture that I know that's in this. Is he directing them for a flashback sequence or is this a present day sequence? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So ponder that for the moment, and we're going to continue on. Uh, We get the first look of Carrie Russell as the masked scoundrel Zori Bliss, seen in the thieves' quarter of the snow-dusted world of Kajimi. So she's one of us, scoundrel, smuggler. That's a yeah. very interesting helmet she's wearing. It's a great-looking helmet. Yeah, This is really not a surprise, though. This is a confirmation of what everybody thought for a long time. Remember that um, poster that we totally debunked and said, there's no way that it's true, And but every image on it we've seen now official. Right. <laughs> Remember that from about a month or two ago? Well, this was on there, too, and we were speculating that, that this may be Carrie Russell's character. Her helmet, Daft Punk means meets Mandalore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole costume could be a Daft Punk costume. Yeah, yeah. I I see this. I, the helmet's gonna be the challenge, but I I can't wait to see cosplayers do this helmet up. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait to see what part she actually played in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. is it a cameo or is it actually a role? Because mm. JJ gives well, her a lot of cameos in movies. Yeah, but if they're they're they've been focused on her so much it's got to be more than just a cameo i would imagine right constable zubio was one of the first action figures released for the force awakens and never used in the film <laughs> got cut yeah. <laughs> well no i think you can see a flash of him in that flash the force forward flash thing again there is a there is oh, a flash of him and that's it it's like a quarter of a second but you can see him there no they were saying he was completely cut from the film i swore i saw him in that i'd have to look I, up that, the, that's um, what that's a, why yeah. they were saying one one of the more popular characters initially was a character that would never appeared in the film yeah except in promo shots well interesting thing with this one though if you look at her helmet i'm wondering is she an alien because that helmet has a really long fin on the back of it is her head going to have like an extension on the back of it or something if she takes the helmet off is that shaped for her head or is that specifically is she like a swoop bike rider or something and it's supposed to be aerodynamic because mm. um a lot of if you look at um like downhills um skateboarders street luge guys like that they have that specialized helmet that actually is kind of long and aerodynamic i wonder if that's what this is or if this is actually for the shape of the character's head could be a holder hair yeah good yeah. <laughs> they give her really really long hair yeah uh next picture they title it force majeure yeah first order leaders general hux who uh Domino Gleason. Um, Wasn't he one of the Weasley children? Yes. He was the oldest, right? He was two of the Weasley children. He was the twins, I believe. No, the twins are actual twins. No, the twins are actual twins. Sure? Yeah, I've met them both. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're twins. I think he played the oldest brother that you see in the first film or second film and is the one referenced to for the dragons with Goblet of Fire. Uh, So you see him and Allegiant General Pride, who's being played by Richard E. Grant on the bridge of Kylo Ren's Destroyer. And if you notice, his jacket 
is different from Hux's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is very cool. I would almost have loved it if this jacket was white, almost like Thrawn. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. I think it would pop so much more. But, I mean, this looks great. I, I think it's I think it's a pretty cool look. Yeah. And, and this, on the bridge, okay, is this like a conference room off the off the side of the on the bridge? Yeah, this looks almost like a ready room or, yeah, like you said, a conference room, which we've not yeah. seen on a Star Destroyer before. Which would be cool, especially if we get that whole hokey religion comment again in this thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. With Hux going, hey, yeah, no, stop it, cut. <laughs> um, up next is uh, Desert Power. I mean, Desert Power. Uh, they're showing... Uh, watch Dune now? Watch Dune. Are we watching Dune now with a Desert Power? No. Okay, you guys didn't read Dune? <laughs> no. Oh, it's so funny. I saw a meme saying, they're talking, I'm watching story of a boy who, who comes to power, this, that, and the other. And they're like, oh, you're watching Star Wars? They go, no, Dune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyway, in this photo, we have Jonas Sutamo, uh, Ridley, Anthony Daniels, and John Boyega awaiting the call to action for a chase scene. And I wonder how popular her now Jedi costume is going to be. And I think it's funny how she has made her wrap. It's a tabard on the one side, and then it comes around her waist to form the obi, but still loops on the left side, like her all her other looks with that wrap. All I want to know is why does Anthony Daniels get an umbrella, but Jonas doesn't? Or Jonas, excuse me. It's the difference between man and droid. Yeah, and probably Jonas <laughs> has the, um, for the cooling units that they've built into that suit. There's not that much space in the C-3PO costume. No, he probably doesn't have cooling units. Yeah, no, no it's cool. Uh, you were talking about the cooling units because uh, they've added some some bellows or like uh, not bellows. I guess they could be called bellows um, that will inflate up almost like muscles, like muscles, muscles, yeah, like muscles that. Well, okay, bladders. <laughs> <laughs> um, like bladders to help inflate and they slowly to help keep some of the cold air in yeah and it slowly deflates until they are able to cycle cold air through again because mm. i th- i think there's uh, i don't remember it was all oh, it was in the star wars insider that i had years ago where they showed the suit and how the uh the new suits were done and i remember peter talking about it as well uh, the first time I met him talking about the suits and how all that's changed. And they actually took some inspiration from from Disney uh, for the characters. And, and they were talking about how to potentially reverse it the other way. Uh, but the problem was how to reverse it the other way for Disney to use. Couldn't do while while doing meet and greets. It would be to keep the characters in the outfits backstage. But there's a whole other story. But I love the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. that's a yeah, that's, sell, that's a, that. yeah. It looks like there's a. It's almost like a skip race or something. It looks like there's either another vehicle next to it or it's part of a building. Yeah. Well, all of these, if you look, almost all of these desert shots are all part of that scene. Yeah. Looks like the chase scene that we yeah. saw in the trailer. Yeah. That could be some kind of rig for the for the the. That's true too. That's true too. Um. Now, next picture down, we see that vehicle in action. Maybe. Yes. Is it? 
Yeah, it's a it, yeah. if it's not that vehicle, it's another very similar one. Yeah, it's another vehicle very similar. Uh, and they're talking camera operator Colin Anderson readies to take a chase sequence spotlighting the heroics of Chewbacca, BB-8, and Ray. Of course, we don't see BB-8 in the other. But I, I will say, going back to that other picture, I'm loving the new look of, of Finn. Yeah. Um, remember, it's, it's, it finally gets his own look. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the next picture, uh, they titled it Punch It. It's a historic return of Lando uh, as he retakes the helm of the Millennium Falcon, joined by Poe Dameron, Chewbacca, Dio, and BB-8. He's a survivor, Williams says of Lando. And I think it's funny. Everyone who criticized the way Lando looked in Solo and criticized Solo, <laughs> huh, karma, because guess what? Apparently, Billy D. Williams likes it because he's wearing it now. Mm-hmm. That is an odd picture. Yeah, yeah. It is. I'm also I'm loving Poe's um, Indiana Jones look. Yes. Yeah. Or um, or maybe he stepped right out of, what is it, Uncharted? Yeah. What was it, Nathan Drake or whatever his name is? Yeah, yeah, Nathan Drake, yeah. So I guess the question is, seeing him dress like that, he's 40, Oscar Isaac. Could you mm-hmm. potentially see him as the next Indiana Jones? That could be fun. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I know definitely if they would ca- recast Indiana Jones, it would be, in my opinion, similar to what they got to do for James Bond. James Bond, you cannot cast someone younger than thirty-five to forty because they have to look battle-worn and they weird and like they've been right. through some stuff. Same right. thing with Indiana Jones. You have to have someone who's at least in their mid to late thirties at the at the youngest. Unless they're trying to go, someone has to. Hmm? Unless are trying to go pre-Temple of Doom, which chronologically is the first film. Yeah. And if so, then I would go with uh, with Elderike from Solo. Uh, possibly. Well, even if you remember, even in Temple of Doom, Indy looked like he was worn. He'd been through the ringer a couple right, times. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just Harrison. Now, if you're going to put him in like um, in college or something, that'd be <laughs> right. Which, which you very easily could. So, um, next up, we got horsing around as we got these uh, hardy Orbachs leading the charge against the mechanical forces of the First Order. And it's Finn and new ally, Jaina. That's a cool. Uh, Jana. Yeah. Jana. It, it, Jana. It, it, you call it Jaina, you're going to get really, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of people um, yelling and screaming, wait a minute. Jana. Sorry. Jaina was someone different. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's, it's, Michael, Michael is still the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love the bow she has, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the description of this reminds me, because they're saying how they're wrapping up all the all three trilogies with this and stuff, and this is like a throwback to episode one, the organic troops versus the me- mechanized troops. Right. You say Gungans versus the droids? Yeah. Um, next picture, we have Colin Anderson is readying for a take. So I'm wondering, besides being camera operator, is he an assistant DP or on the film? Uh, give me a minute. I'll look him up. Uh, then the next picture, we have Jordanian locals play the Akai Akai or Aki Aki natives of the planet Pasana. They are very interesting. This is, they look cool. Yeah. Uh, the one that I, I think I like the most is the one on the right-hand side with the pink skirt or pink dress wrap. Oh, yeah. I love that head. 
That looks wild. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, up next, Kylo Ren and Rey battle it out with lightsabers in a stormy confrontation. Their force connection, whatever driver calls their maybe bond, will turn out to run even deeper than previously revealed. And to me, this, I mean, if I didn't recognize that that was a different costume on Rey and it's her new costume, I would say this is almost a shot right off of uh, Stormkiller Base. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, then we have director and co-writer J.J. Abrams and the crew uh, as they weather the Jordanian sun to capture the action planet, the action on planet Pasana, which, could you imagine Lawrence Arabia coming through here with all his troops and that this is what's left yeah. behind or just going through this the first time with, with a normal army and that whole battle, that would, uh, that'd be intriguing. But they said to go back to this, an area that is relatively untouched, and it made such a great alien landscape. And they they had to lay miles of road to get to this and set up basically a small city for all their filming in this area. Uh, the next photo, uh, John Williams conducting the Star Wars score, drawing on themes and mo- motifs he has woven across four decades. Uh, he His quote is, I didn't think there would ever be a second film. <laughs> now, we we touched on, was it a flashback or is it current? From the Ashes is the name of this picture. Mark Hamill is Luke with R2-D2. Speculation is rampant about who will rise as the Skywalker of the movie's title. And how that cha- how that choice will reflect the way the world has changed since Star Wars debuted in 1977. So, is this a flashback with this picture, or is it reality? Uh, he looked. I think he looks way too old for this to be a flashback. Depends you know, on how far back they go. Well, no, he's got R two with him, so it's got to be. If it's a flashback, it's got to be before he um, left the temple. That could be the Jedi Temple burning behind him. If they're going to do that, yeah, I suppose it possibly. But if it's reality, I'm going to say I called it. <laughs> I said he was still alive. If this is present time, then yes, he was still alive, and he was a force projection on Octu. Well, or well, don't necessarily that's the case either. But yeah, it could be because um, every time we've seen a force goes chronologically they get stronger each time the first force apparition we ever hear is Qui-Gon and we just hear him yelling no Anakin right and that's it the next force ghost we actually ever see is Obi-Wan just barely appearing to Luke on um, on um, Hoth then he finally gets strong right. enough to be able to walk around on Hoth but that's it right and um, Jedi seems like he can actually have a seat and um, Vader and uh, Vader and Yoda and Obi-Wan can show up in, on at the Ewok village but they really can't interact with anything it doesn't look like the next force ghost you see is yoda is he able to actually um call down lightning and smack luke in the head with his cane hmm. so he can interact with the physical world right and then at the end of that luke's force projection it looked appears to be able to actually interact with leia even though he's alive his force projection still is able to hand her the dice right well he interacts so, he interacts in a way too with 
with Kylo as well. Uh-huh. Because he's able Black. to repel blaster bolts until it hits him direct. And that's when and then. Actually, if I remember, he never actually deflected any of them. I thought he did. No. 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 I think and he then did. The whole fight, he doesn't uh, do anything with Kylo. He dodges. But he doesn't actually contact saber to saber. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's but right. um, what's the chances that at this point, Luke now has learned enough that he can actually project a physical form, even though he's dead? <sighs> Each one of them learns from the previous one and gets a little stronger right. to where Yoda t- taught him how to, um, now that um, Yoda figured out how to interact with the physical world, Luke is enough that he could actually project a physical form. If that's the case, if that's the case then we're talking the story. The then we're talking about the story of Plagueis where you can resurrect yourself. Possibly that. Maybe that, that's something that Plagueis was never able to achieve because you can't do it with the dark side. But the dark that, side maybe, is not able to do that. Unless it's going to be possible with with Palpatine and he comes back in physical form as well. Yeah, everything I've heard on that one though is right. that he actually did survive the Death Star. There's no yeah, way. A, I don't know. You doubt the power of the dark side? No, he doubts the power of the Abrams. No, I, I doubt the power of no, not the Abrams. I doubt the power of the f- survival of the Emperor. Hey, like we said, Darth Maul got thrown down in a bottomless shaft. His hatred kept him alive long enough to uh, yeah. survive. So. Yep. And cut in half. He got cut in half, and he still his hatred was still able to build him some spider legs. So we're so yeah. you, sir, you're gonna say Han Solo is still potentially alive as well? He was not a nope. force user. You gotta think these were nope. all force users that used the force to do this. Yep. Han was not a Jedi or a Sith. <laughs> I don't even know if he was force sensitive. That's speculation that's never been said one way or the other. Some right. a lot of what I've heard is that um, a lot of people speculate that Han may have been force sensitive. That's how he got a little bit of insight here and there, and why he was actually halfway decent at cards and smuggling. And right, yeah, I've heard. never developed, but right. he may have actually had because everybody he was known as being lucky anyway. Maybe that's what that was, right? Right, uh, out of all that stuff that he got himself into. And then next up, we got the two covers one that's got Ray on the front, who she still has her staff, which is great. Um, I, I think it's awesome too. She's got her staff, she's got the pistol given to her by Han, and you know, she has her saber. And, and I love how her you love how her what her Jedi, her her belt is a combination of a Jedi belt and Han smuggler's belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is that costume really hasn't changed much from The Last Jedi to now. Yeah, yeah, not a, not a whole lot. From uh, Force Awakens to Last Jedi, they changed the color palette on it a little bit. Yeah, oh, no, well, that's phrase. Last this Jedi was gross, correct, which is what had everyone suspecting was she potentially a a great becoming a great Jedi during Last Jedi, right? And then now it's she has more formal is traditional coloring for a Jedi with the more earthy tones and whatnot. Um, but her boots are still the same, the pants are still the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still got the wrist wrist bracelets uh if you notice the top has a little bit more sleeve to it than the previous she's got more of a collar even though it's a a pre-style collar but she she has more of a collar yeah well that would make sense with if you see her from the side view on some of these other pictures she's got a hood well yeah you you can see the hood still draping back behind but the collar is totally separate from the hood yeah but no that would make sense of her having a collar too because a lot of um hooded robes and stuff it looks like a collar type deal on it so i don't know how this is obviously doing but no it's the, almost the, the cool the, thing is this is a stylized jedi robe a new a modern version of a stylized jedi robe yeah well this is so she she's it's almost like the tabards or this wrap of hers now has included on it the the robe or the not the rope the hood yeah to it um because who's to say 
that all Jedis originally wore wore robes too. Now, if it was something that they weren't comfortable wearing, they all wore hoods. I mean, look at the the temple guards. Mm-hmm. Even though they had a helmet, they wore a hood, but they didn't have they didn't have a robe. Yeah, not a traditional Jedi style robe. The interesting with her is if you actually look at the way it wraps and stuff around her. If you give her sleeves, that is what Je- or if you put a robe over that, that's a Jedi. Um, oh yeah, gauntlets and stuff. Right. Or even that it's um, a sleeveless version of Luke's shorty robe from the, A New Hope. <laughs> sort of. I mean, if, if you put robes on her, you would never know that she wasn't wearing Jedi tunics. Mm-hmm. Just so. I mean, because there are some Jedi that wear the arm sleeves like she's wearing. It's yeah. just she's wearing them for a different purpose, and that's been her thing and part of her her i i uh, her identity. Now, when you when you look at um, the one with Adam Driver, it, it's it's funny. His you, you look at this costume the way he is, you don't think of a normal Star Wars costume. Yeah, this almost yeah, looks like had this looks like it's a recreation of some Renaissance picture of medieval times, which is perfect yeah, considering we're talking now the Knights of Ren. So, um, and if you notice too, just like all the other Skywalker men, scar down the right side of the face. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm looking at some images now and it actually, that is actually the same, I believe the same jacket he's always been wearing. Yeah. I thought this was a new and updated take on it. it. I don't think so. No. It's the same, it's the same jacket and the same, exact same costume he had from, um, from The Last Jedi, except the um, robe is a little different or just the way it's draped is a little different that's all from the other picture I'm seeing here well instead of doing the robes he's got a cape now yeah but like I said it's just the way this particular picture's done yeah if, if the word Star Wars wasn't there you would think it's Adam Driver doing a a photo recreate oh uh, yeah yeah a recreation of a of a famous picture it just shows you how 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 brilliant Annie's pictures are it looks like a padded armor the or padded like leather that you'd put underneath like um plate armor or under chain yeah yeah now uh we talked a little bit about zori bliss with her photo here's some info um as to be expected uh, russell has been rather tight-lipped about the details of her new character however she did say i do have the coolest costume i'll agree uh the the brass detailing on the costume adds a certain flair to the design, contrasting with the maroon of the suit. That's maroon? I thought that was like a, a dark purple or like an eggplant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, the rest of the costume invokes almost a bounty hunter-esque feel like a, that of Boba Fett, Jango Fett, or even Zam Weasel. I can see Zam Wessel there. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, after the events of The Last Jedi, bounty hunters, thieves, and other mischief seekers were given the perfect opportunity to resume operations. Um, if the First Order and the New Republic were at war, who's stopping the criminal underbelly of the galaxy far, far away? Well, at that point in time, I think it's going to be Ken, since Ken's got to take off. Yep, I will see you guys next week. I- I'm happy I was here for those pictures. That was amazing. Well, hopefully, don't don't get caught by the First Order, and don't get caught by the rest of the criminal underbelly trying to stop them while doing our own activities ourselves. That's right. I'll keep my head down. <laughs> hey, I have all that indoor commando gear. I can hide. True. You're better than them anyway. Oh, <laughs> speaking of the, before you go, Ken, speaking of the indoor commando gear, you know how the rebel logo for all that's got that yellow and the red icons? 
I've been trying to figure out what Arabish letters are those. What you know, what are they? That's not Arabish. No. I don't know what it is. It's a stylized. It's a it's a stylized S star stylized F for for the time. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. They came up with heroes and villains came up with this logo for the special forces. Then I'm watching Return of the Jedi the other day on uh, TNT or TBS, and they get it's to the. It's on their gear. It's on the helmet. <laughs> it's on the helmets of the commandos. Uh, all these years that we've watched the films, I've never seen it. And now that we've had it thrown in our face with all of this, I'm like, okay, touche. They didn't create it. They just happened to pull it to the forefront. Kudos to them. Yeah. Because it's, it's right there on Leia's helmet as well. When they first land and they're getting ready to, to jump the biker scouts for the first time. Look at the, the wide band on the helmets. It's right there on that right hand side. I'll have to look it up. So now you got something to look for. Now you got something to look I, for. <laughs> I gotta go. I will see you later. I will um, make sure I put on the commando gear so I can hide it hide it plain and sight with the camo. Sweet deal. See you next week. Yeah. So um to continue on, the now it, it's it's not known whether Bliss chooses light, darkness, or nothing at all. That seems to be now uh, that's that's all going to come to to be seen here a little later. So. Um, trying to think. It said click here for pictures, and there's nothing more for that. Um, then we talked about. Go ahead. You started to say something. No, I'm all set. All right. So, uh, Rise of Skywalker. That photo with Luke. This is what's interesting. Again, uh, we talked about. Is he alive? Is this a flashback? Um, John Fuglesag saying who apparently is Twitter certified. Who is he? He's a comedian and an actor. Okay. Um, nice to meet you, John. We're talking about you on our show. Um, he brings up an interesting post on Twitter. Everyone talking about Nice of Ren and Carrie Russell may have overlooked that this new episode nine pick of Luke Skywalker is neither a force ghost nor the flashback Luke. Um, he said, because we never saw a robot hand fall on the rocks. Mm. I don't understand what he means by that. He means when when Luke failed, we didn't see, we saw his his robe fall, but we didn't see the the robot hand. Oh, when he when he vanishes on yeah. Octu. Mm-hmm. So he's almost saying we're backing up my theory of uh, what was the force projection? Not necessarily. It could also be. Oh, now he's able to teleport. No, we're talking about the resurrection again. Yeah, but he's saying we never we never saw the robot. So at the end of the Last Jedi, when he's when he's back on Octu and he's just sitting there and he fades away, the robe drops, but not the hand. Right. Yes. So what was the robe there as the element for him to stay force projected on Octu even longer? And that's why we don't see the hand fade. Or we don't see the hand drop because he's still alive and that was a force projection. That seems like a bit of a stretch. Then how would he be able to force project to, to Leia? Because it, it seems odd, too, that he, unless he, um, oh, I can't think of the phrase or the word, um, unless he associates himself with the dice and uses the dice as that object to allow him to force project to crate. How does he force project to crate? Because the dice are on the Falcon, which Ray and Chewie take to crate to keep to catch up to them. 
So the only way he can get to give the dice to Leia in the Force projection is if he associates his body to... I know it's not the right term. I'm not... I haven't watched Ghost Ghost Hunters or Taps or whatever it is in so long to, to remember the right term. But you, you know what I'm talking about. Nope. <laughs> it's... Um, it's where ghosts have a connection to an object. Oh. So for the force projection, this is how he's able to present the dice to her is he's connected to that object. There's a connection there and that a lot. And as long as that connection is still there, he could for he could give the dice to Leia. It's a vessel. There we go. The dice are a vessel for him to force project, to create. Just like the robe is a, is a vessel for him to force project to on Octu. Why would the dice be a, a vessel? Because he's going because he he's told about Han being killed, so he grabs the dice to give them back to Leia off the Falcon. Because I think if we go back and look at that scene of uh, or that one picture, uh, where. Where'd it go? Um, with Oscar Isaacs and Lando, what's missing from the picture? The dice. But how would he give the dice to Leia? Well, that's what he did on Crate. He gives Leia the dice. It says, I'm sorry. Or basically gives condolences for the loss of Han. So as a force projection, he's still able to hold on to material things, physical objects, whether it's a... But like how a, would he get the? How would he? He got the. He got the dice when, when he was on Octo, and we went on to the Falcon. But you just said he was. But you're saying he wasn't on Octo. I think his force projection. He he associated himself to the dice, knowing that Ray and Chewie were going to take it to go see Leia. So then he's since he's got that force connection to the dice, he's able to follow it within the force to crate. Once he realizes Leia's there, he could then take the the dice off the Falcon down to her, present them to her and go, you know, and do the whole I'm sorry bit again as another force projection that for crate. He's used the dice as that vessel for him to allow him to force project to crate. But why would he force project to Otto? Because he knew eventually someone was going to find that missing piece to look for. And that the, the I'm not going to say the chosen one is where supposedly all that's Anakin. But his the the one that's supposed to give him hope that the, the Jedi Order can be restored is going to find him there, bring that piece to whoever so they can solve the puzzle to figure out where he's at. But then why would he be a force projection when he was talking to Yoda? Because there, it was all because that's where Ray was and that's where Luke's focus was, especially with the tree. In the books, that's where Luke's attention was, was on Octu. So Yoda's going to go where Luke's attention is, not where Luke is. Mm. I know it's a stretch. I know. I apologize for my logic. (laughs) But how strange will this be if my logic just somehow ends up making sense or ends up being some sort of reality to what happened? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like that idea. We'll see. I mean, it's far-fetched. Don't get me wrong, but it's, and I know it's a crazy theory. And feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Wookie Radio or on, or 
tell us on Facebook or on Instagram that theory theory's kind of hokey, <laughs> but hey, John Fugel saying John John Fugel saying must be listening to the show too because he's he's apparently buying into the theory as well. I don't I don't know if that's what he's saying. Well, he's saying Luke's not dead. Yeah. Which is pretty much the gist of my theory is Luke's not dead. Yes, but so how how does he disappear and not be dead? Because we, we've never heard about the idea of a Jedi being able to to teleport from one planet to another. No, we're not we're not talking about teleportation. We're talking about another almost as crazy theory, and that's resurrection. Okay, could have the resurrection, but. I would think if he's to be resurrected, the hand would still have fallen off or dropped at the end of Last Jedi. I don't know. Because, like, when when Yoda fades, his clothes stay behind. Obi-Wan, the clothes stay behind. We don't see what happens to, to Anakin because he's still in the suit, and then they burn the suit. So we don't know if the body disappeared or if they're just burning an empty shell, you know? So I mean, I don't know. I mean, anything that was not flesh, I was would, would have been left behind. The only thing we saw drop is the robe. We don't see anything else. So, um, I mean, could it be a resurrection? Yeah, but I, I think, as, as he points out, we never see the the robot hand drop. I, I think that's a key thing. We never see the clothes drop. When's the last time we saw a Jedi in any of the movies or in the shows where, when they fade away, the clothes went with them? Oh yeah, I know it. That that's so. Um, so yeah, this. I mean, his comment alone just makes a whole new theory of okay, what what's going to be the deal? Be curious to see. While people were upset with this over Last Jedi, this whole thing about Luke has got me excited for this next film of, okay, what's the story behind what happened at the end of Last Jedi? Where's the truth in all this? Unless it is just a flashback, and that's, that is him in front of the burning Jedi temple. And if that's the case, that's great. Then we get the flat. Then it's a flashback. If it's him as a force ghost, then okay, it's a sh- it's a shot on the set pre uh, pre uh, effects. I don't. I definitely don't think it's a force ghost. Not with R two standing right there. No, but he was with R two when the the when his academy burnt down. Yeah, but if you take a look at the hand, the hand still again, unless that's they haven't touched it with effects. Or unless the negative was reversed for that. True, true. So, uh, moving on while we still got some time. Um, Billy Lord asked to share some scenes with her late mother, Carrie Fisher. Uh, she did this, um, according to uh, Vanity Fair, uh, when she had asked JJ about it, uh, he f- suddenly felt he had found the impossible answer to the impossible question. Uh, so painstakingly, they were stitching cutscenes from Force Awakens into uh, The Rise of Skywalker and would be able to bring out an entire performance uh, from Fisher uh, one more time, allowing her to live again on on screen for that one last film. Um, now, much to Abram's surprise, the process was more valuable for her daughter, Billy Lord, who plays one of Leia's lieutenants, um, and the opposite of her mother in new scenes. Um, because I purposely had written her character in scenes without Carrie because I just didn't want it to be uncomfortable for her. 
Abram said. Instead, he recalls, Lord told him, I want to be in the scenes with her. I want it for my children. When I have kids, I want them to see. Because she did share scenes with her in Force Awakens. And I believe in Last Jedi as well. So, yeah, probably. Um, Abrams calls the process of digging out Fisher's performance a bizarre kind of left side, right side brain challenge, um, trying to figure out how to put the puzzle on the pieces that they had. So, um, so the team wrote scenes around existing Fisher footage and shot other angles, matched lighting, and put together a finished product as if we were doing a reshoot or doing someone's side, which happens all the time. It's just, it's just you're now adding people into a scene or taking her out of existing and adding into a different scene. Uh, to do this carefully, uh, the digital patchwork leaves Fisher's full human performance untouched, uh, integrating her into the film um, and she physically interacts with some of the other characters in The Rise of Skywalker. The film's teaser reveals Leia tenderly embracing Rey. Uh, you see that scene with her hugging. It's almost like she gets to be in this movie where we would have wanted her anyway at that moment. Um, Abrams says also moments of the film we see Leia and Lieutenant Connix, who's played by Billy Lord, talking and touching as well. In some instances, Abrams said Lord became overwhelmed during filming. She would get emotional and sort of have to excuse herself for a minute. I know it was hard for her for a while. Well, no doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. Uh, sorry, having a moment myself thinking about my own dad, which was weird. About four months after passing, finding a YouTube video of him at a conference. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> anyway, um, now the, the Leia was in Rogue One was poorly received, which I don't know. It was appropriate. It, <laughs> it, it's, it was appropriate. It thing about it didn't like like the Tarkin worked really well but for some reason the Leia didn't work as it was almost like the Leia the Leia was a an almost a, a we need to do it as our way of a trib, a paying tribute to Carrie who passed away right before before Rogue One yeah because they had, they had just wrapped film they were wrapping filming on Last Jedi when Rogue One came out unless I'm crazy very well could be I don't have a bad movie. I've read so many different stories of different happenings with the way my mind is right now. They're all like melding together. Yeah, I know. Me too. So Rogue One. Rogue One was 2016. We know 2017 Fisher passed. Uh, Last Jedi happens. So... So Carrie Fisher died December 27th, 2016. Rogue One came two weeks before. So it wasn't. Yes. So it wasn't. Yeah, a, so. so she got to see herself portrayed. Assuming she watched the movie. <laughs> I think she did. I think they showed it to her. Because I want to say she actually approved of the uh, of the she approved of it. If I remember stories right, I thought they said she approved of it. Which, if that's the case, then why why are people so so bent out of shape over the fact that oh the only thing I could think of is it was a last minute thing. There's just something about it that didn't look right, and I'm not, I can't even 
say for sure exactly what it was, but there was something that that didn't like the Tarkin worked, right? And it worked, but that the that part for some reason there was something that didn't register the same. And I I don't specifically what it was, but there was something like that felt more computer. That felt more like a computer effect, right? And the Tarkin part. Did. I think the decision to add that as a final final shot before the credits is what made that awkward. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because it's like, oh, let's, we've already done this. We have the line. Let's go. Let's just piece it together. I, th- I think that's a good way to describe it. It was it just it was kind of awkward. And it's hard to specifically say why or what it was that felt awkward about it. But right. it was something that just it just I don't know. Something didn't quite work with it. Yes, the I agree. Same as, as the, I agree. And maybe maybe it's because the Tarkin worked so well that that was a little like. Hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the, there were there were some spots where the Tarkin did not work well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But overall, it it was fine. You knew. I think maybe maybe two. It was one of those we knew at the time Carrie Fisher was still alive when that happened. Maybe, maybe. Whereas, and that was what was hard to accept is okay. Why are you doing this if Carrie's still alive? Couldn't you have just had the stand in with her head turned and and, and the line delivered? With her back turned, so we don't see Carrie. It's just implied it's Carrie, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've heard I've heard that talked about. I think I even brought that up myself. It's like, oh, this was cool, but would it have worked better if if we didn't see Carrie's face? And then two weeks later, she passes, and it's like, okay, this is this is appropriate. It's almost like they pay. Right. Tri- it's almost like they pay tribute without realizing they were paying tribute. Yeah, kind of. Um, foreshadowing. Um, the, the other one is, uh, but with Tarkin, we knew Cushing was dead. Right. Personally, I didn't realize originally that the, that the voice was a impersonator. I thought they were with the first few lines. It sounded like they had taken old dialogue and, and, and pieced it all together, which right. that is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I mean, I do think I'm a decent editor, even though I don't honestly, I don't do much editing on the show because I, I like that natural vibe uh, on any of the shows. Uh, it's like listening to talk radio. It's like being at a restaurant with your friends and you're chatting at the table. That's what that's the vibe we're doing here. But, you know, you, you've got if if I want to try and recreate a scene with someone's actual voice using a CGI reproduction, I would try and find as much. Well, sort of like what they're doing with Leia now for for the Rise of Skywalker. That's Carrie's voice. Like they said, they're piecing it around scenes. But if they needed to make a dialogue that didn't actually exist, look at all the films that you would pull from. Use all the reference to to change and everything to match her current voice to give it, you know, to give her those lines in the current film. When you, if you really think about it, what they're doing is is pretty amazing. You know, trying to piece all of this together uh, out of. You know, footage oh, yeah. that she shot before and everything, and trying to make it fit into the the movie for what you want it to be and everything. I'm impressed. Yeah, 
I'm and see with me being in the industry 31 years, I would have loved to have gotten into you know what we call picks for uh, mix for picks, you know, audio you know audio post production. Uh, in which case, I would be doing like some of this stuff. It, it's could I do it? Yes. When I went to school and we had to do initial drops of dialogue to a picture, I was so accurate with my initial drop. Now, it took me a couple minutes to, to try and line it up right, um, you know, to figure out where exactly I was going to place my drop. But I would be figure video film is shot at uh, 24 frames a second. I would be plus or minus three frames on my initial drop of where the audio needed to go to match audio to to the mouth movement of, on screen. Plus or minus three frames. It's like a tenth of a second. <laughs> Just enough to make it look like a badly dubbed movie. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those, if if I heard the audio before I saw the mouth move, it's like, okay, go back three frames. Perfect. Right there. Um, obviously, I could do a lot more. You know, if I was doing it more and more often, I would definitely be able to uh, be a lot quicker about it and probably be even more accurate. But, you know, for what we did for, for, for class, plus or minus three frames is an incredible feat. Um, and, and that's just kind of where I am craft, you know, with my craft, that's the challenge. That's the love that I like. So, so yeah, I, I envy what these guys do. So, um, I'm going to scratch, let's see, just looking at our stories. Um, we kind of already know the cast and crew made peace with the last Jedi. Let's take the last few minutes and talk about Galaxy's Edge. Cast previews have been happening this week, and we're now getting pricing for all the good stuff that we saw. You want to build a custom droid, whether it's a BB-8 unit or an R unit, R series, costs you $99.99 per droid plus tax. And you could buy at an additional charge different personality affiliation chips and other accessories. Uh, the experience is limited to the builder and one guest. At least one person in the party must be 14 years or older. Uh, custom astromech droids are non-refundable and are not eligible for annual pass holder or other discounts. Uh, the experience is subject to availability and reservations may be required. If a reservation is required, late arrivals may not be accommodated. And looking at this, they've got, uh, R four heads, uh, R two heads. Uh, what? R that one does not look like an R two unit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it looks like they've got heads from R two. I think if I remember right, I saw R two, R three, R four, and R fives. Um, R two is the solid dome, like we see with R two D two or R two A six. Um, the R3s are clear domes, so you can see the insides of the dome, the inner workings of the dome. You can see that, so it's that clear clear shell head. Uh, R4 is the lampshade, or, or the upside-down trash can, actually. And the R5 is your lampshade, that lampshade, the round lampshade look. Uh, now, for the lightsabers... Custom lightsaber, one hundred ninety nine ninety nine plus tax. 
Carrie, Carrie Case is yeah, included. These. You didn't come through, Derek. What was that? I better, I better start saving my money for these. Oh yeah. Um, I already figured. I know Zoe wants one. I want one. I'm getting hers first, just because I will get mine at a later time. And I'm hoping. I know they're saying not eligible for annual pass holder or other discounts. I'm hoping they do offer cast member discounts for these. Mm. Um, additional customization items can be purchased at Doc and Iandar's Den of Antiquities, so you can get. Um, Additional crystals. So if you start off with one crystal, you could change your crystal later. Uh, the experience area is limited to the builder and one guest. At least one person in the party must be 14 or older. Custom lightsabers are non-refundable and are not eligible for pass holder discount or other discounts. Uh, I'm hearing the ride is amazing. Um, Smuggler's Run. There's been... Uh, Stories of if you look at the ground, you'll see droid tracks in the cement, <laughs> which is great because you go to the new fancy land at Magic Kingdom, you see carriage tracks. Or I could take you to a couple different spots at Animal Kingdom, you'll see different animal tracks in the in the ground. I remember that, yeah. Now, Animal Kingdom had the fun one. When you came off the safari and then you went to go do the gorilla exploration walk, you take that pathway, you saw... uh like antelope tracks and you see another set of animal, uh, antelope tracks and you see like some lion tracks right with it and then you go a little further down you see antelope tracks or no you see the lion tracks and you see drag marks and if you followed the drag marks, you see you saw this tree with a dead antelope, quote unquote, dead antelope up in the tree. They have since taken all that down. Gee, I can't imagine why. <laughs> but it was there for so long. It was so cool. But yeah. Um, but they're saying with all this, the uh, um, there were more details talked about with the uh, with the app. And people were saying there's a if you go to the upstairs, that's where Rise of the Resistance is. And apparently right before you, they do the meet and greet with with guests, Chewie and his character greeter are, are working on a ship for a brief moment. And then they come over and do their meet and greet. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what one person was saying is that they saw they were tinkering with a ship. And then they came over and did a meet and greet. That's cool. So, um, on I guess so. That, yeah, that's it. Um, somewhere online, I I can't remember where. Uh, somebody's got a Google Doc of all the pricing of a lot of stuff. Uh, the twenty six inch lightsaber blade is forty five bucks. The thirty six inch is fifty bucks. Uh, the crystals are thirteen bucks each. And but and then they list all the different sabers and and their pricing as well. So the legacy sabers run anywhere between like a hundred and nine to a hundred hundred nineteen hundred twenty nine something like that. So um, not badly priced. Yeah. So final thoughts. I have one final thought, and uh, not actually Star Wars related, but uh, it's about my one of my other shows. Uh, the show I do with my friend Keepers of the Fringe. This weekend, we are going to be recording episode number 100. Congrats. Thank you. 
Congrats. We got we got some good fun planned for the episode. You know, we recorded episode 300 of Weeby Geeks with uh, Eduardo, and it's like came and gone. Like, like, it was nothing special. I think we that did was, this. Oh, wow. That was 300. Wow. I think we did the same. I think we did the same thing here with 100. It came and went, and we, we just didn't think about it. Yeah, probably. And we're, we're past 250 on Mighty Marvel Geeks. So congrats thank, for hitting the, the triple digit mark. Thank you. We're pretty happy about it. Yeah. We've but, watched 100 movies now. <laughs> hey, good choice with the last movie, Battle Beyond the Planets. I love that oh, film. Yeah. That's yeah, a fun that's film. A good one, yeah. The uh, Star Wars knockoff. One of them, yeah. Yes, one of them. With John Saxon and... Uh, yeah. uh, was that Richard Tom? No, not Richard Thomas. Uh, Robert Vaughn was in it. Yeah. Um, George Papard was in it. John Boy. That's who I'm thinking of. John Boy's in it. It was a fun film. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I, th- I think I've got one I need to send your way for y'all to check out. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, it had it had a Star Wars actor in it, uh, Chris Monkey, uh, who yeah. played uh, Lieutenant Kurgan, the, the yeah. lieutenant who meets with Vader and says they're not on the ship. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's in this one. Uh, I got to find it, find the name of it, and I'll send it to you. Cool. So um, I've got no other final thoughts as well. So we'll end it with yours, and, and we'll just say. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jinx, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer.